0: Hello and welcome to the Foreign Press Podcast. I'm Nia Krofi Smartabe. This is an educational program by the Association of Foreign Press Correspondents in the USA. This podcast is available on Apple, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Agriculture has always been a vital part of our lives as humans, as it is our main source of nourishment and continues to be a source of employment for many people around the world. Unfortunately, like many sectors of our global economy today, agriculture is also under threat from climate change. It faces several challenges including a loss of soil quality and a decline in the agricultural workforce even as the global population increases. Regenerative agriculture, a term used to describe holistic farming systems that among others improve air and water quality and enhance ecosystem biodiversity, is being encouraged among farmers. These farming systems are designed to work in harmony with nature while maintaining and improving economic viability, mitigating the effects of climate change, and advocating for the decreased use of chemical inputs to enhance cleaner air and water. One company that has made regenerative agriculture a part of its corporate mission is PepsiCo. The global beverage company recently announced a multi-million dollar investment to support regenerative agriculture in the United States and has a goal of increasing the practice around the world in the near future. What has piqued PepsiCo's interest in agriculture, particularly regenerative agriculture? And how does the company plan to increase farmers' interest in this system of farming? Joining me with answers to these questions and more is PepsiCo's Vice President of Sustainable Agriculture, Rob Myers. Rob leads PepsiCo's positive agriculture agenda across their global supply chain. He was previously the Sustainability Director for PepsiCo's Global Operations, leading their resource conservation program. Rob, thank you very much for joining us on the Foreign Press Podcast. Before we, we go into details about uh, the initiatives PepsiCo has rolled out for agriculture, why is investing in agriculture so important to your organization?
1: Well, you know, we're we're an agricultural company, you know. I mean, if uh, if it wasn't for a secure supply of high-quality agricultural ingredients, we would be selling empty bottles and bags. So we, you know, we buy... Thirty different key ingredients across sixty countries, uh, and the future of our uh, company really depends on the future of uh, the supply of those key ingredients, and and really the future of farming from from all of those origins uh, and all those farmers that produce the you know the raw agricultural inputs to run our business. A lot of the work that that I do on on my team is to really understand you know where are those agricultural raw materials originating from and what are the risks for those farming communities from those origins and then you know really building programs to address the risks that farmers face um, because a farmer's risk is our risk
0: mm-hmm. yeah because if they if they have us a support then it means no produce for you to be able to manufacture your products yeah
1: exactly right mm-hmm.
0: okay so as part of pep plus uh, PepsiCo positive. You have a, a positive agriculture agenda that includes spreading regenerative agricultural practices. Why is there a particular focus on regenerative agriculture? Because agriculture is, you know, we all know what agriculture does, it produces our food, but why this particular part of, of agriculture, regenerative agriculture?
1: Sure. There's two main reasons, you know, for that, that focus on regenerative agriculture. And it's it's one of the, it's one of the commitments that we've made under our positive agriculture suite of goals, which includes also buying all of our key ingredients sustainably, and then also uh, committing to spread uh, and uh, livelihood improvement in livelihoods uh, across our agricultural supply chain with a focus on our most vulnerable uh, populations. And regen ag is one of those, you know, that, that fit under there at the heart of our regenerative agriculture work is really the recognition that farmers face a risk in our supply chain to the acute and chronic impacts of climate change Uh, acute being you know more severe more frequent more unpredictable uh weather weather events uh from Mm -hmm. season to season and then the chronic effects of you know increasing temperatures uh over time and you know input constraints, whether it's water availability, loss of biodiversity, etc. So all of those represent a risk to the future of farming, really the in-season risks to farming in the future. And through regenerative agriculture, we're trying to work with farmers to transition into a more resilient farming system uh, for their operations so that they can you know, not just respond to those shocks, but also thrive in spite of the shocks over the long term. And regenerative agriculture, you know, one of the fundamental elements of it is to improve the soil health uh, and and uh, the soil health characteristics in such a way that, uh, that it helps farmers continue to produce and produce profitably despite a lot of those risks. So that's one reason why we focus on regenerative agriculture is to is to build resilience. The other reason is we've made commitments to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions. We made a science based mm-hmm. target to reduce emissions forty percent by twenty thirty. Agriculture okay. is about a third of our total greenhouse gas footprint, and through the work in regenerative agriculture, it's one of the primary ways that we're going to deliver against those goals to reduce our emissions. And so. It's both the mitigation or reduction in emissions that we're trying to drive through our work in regenerative agriculture, and then also enabling the farmers to adapt to uh, these uh, these risks that climate change represents for them. Mm.
0: That's interesting to note that it means that the farmers are also at the heart of what you're doing. It's not just you looking out for just the end product at the end of the day, that you're able to get your products to produce your beverages, but also that the farmers are in a good enough position to be able to do their work as well.
1: Absolutely, I mean, what we like to say all the time is the work that we do is to keep farmers farming. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, farmers definitely love that line, um, but it's also really true and it's actually Mm -hmm. important for us because of, you know, no farms, no food and no business for PepsiCo.
0: Absolutely that and actually no food for humanity, and then that's it, that's <laughs> I guess. exactly
1: right. We have bigger yeah. problems then, right.
0: Yeah, we will. Well, in March this year, PepsiCo announced a $216 million investment in long-term partnerships with um, three major farm-facing organizations to support regenerative agriculture. So tell us, how is PepsiCo encouraging the transition to um, agriculture or regenerative agriculture among these groups to help uh, address the risks, some of these risks that we've just discussed?
1: Yeah, it it that investment really speaks to... Um, the three primary strategic pillars that we have for doing this work. Um, The investment we made in that case is with implementation partners or organizations that can help farmers make the transition from a less regenerative to a more regenerative uh, system. And it's one of the barriers to the transition is that there is a a lack of really strong technical advice available uh, to farmers. And so a lot of the work that we do is to uh, identify partners on the ground that can provide trusted advice uh, to farmers, um, and then make a long-term commitment with those partners, um, because often they are, you know, smaller organizations, certainly smaller than PepsiCo. we really want them to scale uh with us and and so making that long-term commitment to to really good partners is important for the health of their organizations as they you know as they work to grow much of that investment goes to the farmer and so we you know and and that's the second pillar is to recognize that there is a financial there's a financial risk for farmers Mm -hmm. in making this transition and there's a there's a need to to invest, to de-risk that transition, you know, for farmers and that risk takes the form of, you know, lack of working capital for farmers, you know, cause they, you know, they often have to buy different kinds of seeds or uh, and so forth. And so they need more working capital. Sometimes there's an actual equipment investment that's needed. And so, you know, equipment capital that's needed to make the transition is, is, is important consideration. And then we also want to recognize that there are, there is a, an important role for banks and, and the insurance industry to play to offer de-risking vehicles for farmers to make it make the transition over time you know as well and so the majority of our investment actually goes to what i like to say goes to the farmers and we try to make sure that 75 to 80 percent of the money that we invest in this system goes to farmers the rest of that money goes to the technical advisors uh and so we you know we want to pay for really good trusted advice and that you know that's hugely important so that's probably the second you know item on the p l for (laughs) for this and then the third one is you know that we do need to quantify impact um Mm -hmm. because we want to understand what's the impact that we're having whether it's greenhouse gas emissions or what's the impact that we're having in soil health improvements um Mm -hmm. we need that impact measurement in order for us to understand what's happening and, and also Communicate progress towards our goals. It's also important for farmers to quantify what is the impact of the change on your farm. And so, how do we quantify and give really good, uh, you know, intelligent, actionable advice uh, to the farmer? And then the third strategic pillar, which is kind of embodied in that investment, is that to recognize that you know. Each farmer is a person, um, obviously, and so there is this cultural barrier that we need to recognize exists. And I always like to tell people that you know what we're asking farmers to do is kind of similar to like somebody showing up on my front porch and ringing the doorbell, and and you know I answer the I answer the door, and they're like, "Your investments are all wrong. You need to change your investment <laughs> strategy for the future of your household," you know, and so. Obviously, I'm just going to shut the door, you know, on them, Mm -hmm. but, you know, we, what we want to do is recognize that we are asking farmers to change and farmers, if they're farming today, a farmer is successful or they wouldn't be in business. So they're really Mm -hmm. good at what they're doing. I think the issue though, is that the world is changing and climate is driving a lot of that. And so what they're doing today may not be sufficient for the future and and a lot of what work that we're trying to do is not to make them change because we want to make some sort of claim on our sustainability report we really want them to change because we think that it's important for them to change for their future but it's a big step you know for a farmer to make a change because any change in their farming system can have real negative you know impacts if it's not done really well and so to overcome that that cultural, hurdle, we try to create peer-to-peer networks with farmers. We try to bring some farmers in who've been doing this work for a very long period of time and have them engage with farmers so farmers can learn from farmers. Um, so
0: it's not just the experts' word that yeah. you have to take. There's actually a farmer who's done
1: it. and this There's is actually a farmer who's done it, who good. needs to make the change. And so there's kind of an ecosystem. And so when we make these long-term investments, It often doesn't come through well in the, you know, on paper, but it's really an investment in those three kind of areas, which we think are really important for a successful transition for farmers to make the change so that they can maintain profitability and farming as a livelihood, not just through the change, but also kind of get to that new farming system that uh, can be more resilient to uh, the the climate change impacts that they face.
0: Mm. Okay. Um now aside from this US effort how is PepsiCo driving adoption of regenerative agriculture in other markets cuz PepsiCo is not limited to the US you're all over the world really so if you've started this here I guess it's just fair that you extend it to your other markets as well
1: Absolutely yeah I mean so so PepsiCo um I mean we match if you look at our our business results and you know where our business is you know Around half of our businesses, U.S. and Canada focused, you know, the so-called North America, um, but that leaves the rest of the world, and and we operate, like I said, and you know, in, in many many countries. Um, so we've, it's true that most of the work that we've done is in the U.S. And you'll, you will know, we just came out with our uh, sustainability report, and and we're reporting over nine hundred thousand acres of regenerative impact, you know, where we've measured an impact yeah. in our programs. Okay. Um, about 15%, maybe a little more than 15% of that is actually outside of the U.S. and Canada. So we've we've started to ramp up outside of uh, of the U.S. and Canada. We need to grow uh, more, uh, and and which we'll do. Uh, but in our other primary, you know, markets uh, around the world, we are we are starting to do uh, that work. The solutions are different. I mean, this this work is so contextual. So the You know, the 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 pol the policy support, you know, the technical advisory that you find in the US is different than what you'll find in Europe, it's different than what you'll find in Africa. The farmers Mm. are different. You know, we work with (laughs) farmers that are smallhold farmers on an acre or so Mm. in parts of the world (laughs) all the way to, you know, large, highly capable farmers. All of those farmers are at risk. (laughs) <laughs> uh, all those farmers need support uh, to, to make kind of a, that, you know, that transition to become more resilient. Mm. Um, uh, but the work that we do on the ground takes, you know, kind of many different forms depending on what the risks are in, in a particular place.
0: No okay and PepsiCo continues to uh, work towards its global 2030 goal which um, you mentioned a while back um to scale regenerative agriculture as well uh do you want to scale up those practices to across um 7 million acres you just told us you are at what um 900
1: we we were reporting we're reporting just over 900,000 900, uh, as of the end of the, uh, the year last year in 2022 yep
0: Okay, so um, what? So that leaves what seven, eight years to go. How are you? How is it going? Your this goal towards um, scaling up to seven million acres as part of your twenty thirty goal.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. We, uh, in the context of where we where where we are in the journey, so nine hundred thousand is what we're reporting in in twenty twenty two. In twenty twenty one, we reported about three hundred forty thousand, three hundred forty five thousand, I think. And so, so that's you know, an
0: impressive Joe.
1: It is an it is kind of an external uh, exponential you know kind of curve. I don't know. I'm I'm the ultimate optimist. Um, we're we're committed to meet the goal. I believe we're going to meet it. We have line of sight you know to meet or exceed it. I think the the bigger challenge and the thing that keeps me sort of up at night, uh, if you mm-hmm. ask me, is not are we going to hit the seven million acre number. Mm-hmm. It's are we going to hit that number and miss the point. Mm-hmm. And the point of the work that we're doing is like what I mentioned before, the point of the work is to, you know, reduce our greenhouse gas emissions to so that we meet our obligation to the science-based target. But also we've got a net zero target that we're, we're marching towards uh, with, with the due date of 2040. So we need to, we need to move down that path, which speaks to, you know, making sure we drive big impact uh in those areas but the flip side of that is you know as we're doing this work on our footprint we need to work on the um that resilience piece and so it's kind of what happens and and what what is the regenerative system that we're moving those farmers towards and will that build resilience in their in their farming systems so that they can survive you know, these shocks that are coming uh, from from climate change. And one of the things me, that we do that we do, which is probably really important to to talk about is we view this as, you know, a, a very important space to be what we call pre-competitive uh, and collaborative, you know, in this space. We're not trying to create a special supply chain for PepsiCo where PepsiCo gets, mm. you know, it's regenerative uh, volumes. We we think it's really important to Kind of raise all ships in the harbor but we need to you know we need to work with others so that uh you know so that we're moving towards a you know a, a you know a systems level change and that even a company as big as pepsico will never do that alone and so that's why we do a lot of work uh with external collaborators peer companies agribusiness you know like i said we work with advisor uh technical advisors on the ground We engage with governments to try to ensure that there is, you know, that there is good policy in place. And from a farmer, from a farmer facing standpoint, Mm -hmm. it's kind of obvious in a way because no farmer makes one or grows one product that they sell to one entity, right? They're growing things across the rotation. And so there are many customers, you know, that that are downstream from them that um, and, and, and you know, we're really working towards a, wor- a world where more regenerative systems become the norm and are not some sort of a specialized, you know, supply chain. And I think that's really important. It's important for our business. I think it's also important for food security, you know, in, in, a, in a place. It's definitely important for the livelihoods of the farmers and, and keeping them farming. And it's also just important to recognize from the standpoint of, you're you're not really going to drive systems level change if you're not really really willing to work across the system across the landscape to drive that you know that kind of change. And so that's kind of where our minds are. And in this space, it's tremendously pre-competitive, and we're we're happy to work with peer companies, competitors, anyone who's who's pushing in the same direction as you know as as we're pushing.
0: And from at least the little reading I've done about regenerative agriculture, if, if for nothing at all, the benefits that it gives for the soil, because the soil is the basis of the farmer's work anyway. So, if for nothing at all, the fact that it can help improve the soils fertility, so that the farmer can keep working and keep being in business, that that alone is is good enough reason to. Yeah, to, I hope,
1: I'm glad you said that actually, because if if someone asks me like, what's the one what's the one thing? <laughs> it's hard for me to answer that question, in part because I'm an engineer and we're doing lots of things and there's a lot of things that need to happen. But if you ask me what's the one thing
0: mm-hmm. that
1: you're trying to do and it is around soil, it's around yeah. keeping the soil there, you know, improving the properties of the soil. Because a healthy soil holds mm-hmm. water, mm-hmm. you know, um, it uses nutrients more effectively for the plants. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it sequesters carbon and keeps carbon in the soil through the through the carbon cycle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a healthy soil is kind it kind of underpins a lot of the a lot of the work that we're, you know, that we're trying to do. So we're always working to figure out ways to improve the health of the soil and the work that, you know, that we do as a as a key aspect of the solution uh, you know, for farmers.
0: Well, Rob, thank you very much for walking us through this um, interesting conversation about regenerative agriculture and how PepsiCo is approaching it. And uh, it's, in, it's also interesting to see that you've already started making these large strides, 900,000 acres already, and uh, you still have a few more years to go. So we'll keep an eye on and, and check in from time to time, see how you're doing.
1: Please do. And thanks for amplifying the story. Um, you know, I think it's an important one for uh, not just for PepsiCo, but for society. So really appreciate the opportunity.
0: You're welcome. And that's all for this episode of the Foreign Press Podcast. Visit our website, www.foreignpresscorrespondence.org, for more educational resources produced by the AFPC USA. And check out our dedicated Press Freedom Platform, The address is www.pressfreedom.org for updates on global press freedom violations. You can always follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. We are at Foreign Press USA. And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, make sure to hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you are listening. I hope you'll join us again next time for another episode of the Foreign Press Podcast. I'm Nia Krofi Smatabe. See you soon.